This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome to a brand new edition of Around the Dial, your home for the best in your sports talk for Monday, April 22nd. We hope you had a great Easter or Passover, and we're certainly glad you are starting the new week with us. I'm Andrew Bogish. I'll be here all week as DA vacations in South America. We have plenty of time this week to discuss the NFL draft, which begins on Thursday night. Let's begin today with some good old-fashioned NFL off-season drama. It all began with former Eagles QB Donovan McNabb telling our CBS Sports Radio colleague Zach Gelb that current Eagles QB Carson Wentz better have success soon or the team should move on. Philly O-lineman Lane Johnson tweeted in defense of his QB saying this is why no one within the organization respects McNabb anymore. Then Johnson discussed further on WIP in Philly. He sent a tweet out about Donovan McNabb with some snakes in front of it, it looked like. And and yeah. uh, what did you mean by that tweet? I don't want to interpret when we got the horse uh, on the line himself. What did you mean by that? Um, and expand however you, you want. Know, here's what I meant. Is, uh, you know, every training camp we have all these ex-players come, you know, shake their hands, wish us good luck. And then they'll go out and, and just talk hate. I feel like there's a lot of envy, you know, just jealousy. And just, uh, I see a lot of fakery. And, uh, you know, not just me, you know, a lot of other teammates see it too. And uh, you would think, you know, the best quarterback in franchise history would try to, you know, build up a young man that looks up to him instead of always, you know, criticizing him, critiquing him, you know, wishing wishing he would fail so, you know, he could be the missing link and feel better about himself. That's what I don't like. And I'm not the guy that, you know, that thinks I have it all figured out. I have many problems as well. But, I, you know, I get tired of all that, all the fakery. To be honest with you, and that's what social media lets you do is is just let your opinion out, Lane. And I, listen, you know that I, I like what you've done. I think you're a terrific player, um, but you speak your mind, and, and I love that as well. It sounds to me, and I don't want to put words in your mouth. That if I said to you, there's the primary reason for Donovan McNabb saying this was a to talk about some flaw of Carson Wentz, or b to pump up Donovan McNabb and keep his name in the news cycle of Philadelphia. Which would you say it was? I really don't know. I, I just think um, I don't think he wants him to outsucceed him. I felt like you know a lot of players, even when we were making our Super Bowl run, they didn't want us to win. Um, that's just how it is. That's how the world works. And you know, people can put on a good show, a good face, but uh, you know, the eyes never lie. And uh, you know, I see it. A lot, a lot of other teammates see it. Obviously, it's part of the business. But hey, um, you know, these guys. Say what they want, and then when the athlete voices his opinion, then oh, oh, we're the bad ones. Hey, we're we're humans too. <laughs> so it's not like we're just entertainment on Sundays and robots for everybody's entertainment. You know, it's our job. It's what we do. It's what we love. But hey, um, you know, some guys are scared to to speak their mind. Uh, you know, because they're, they're afraid of the criticism, afraid yep. of the backlash, afraid of getting 
throwing the media in a bad light. And uh, you know one thing about my NFL career is I've, I've seen the best and I've seen the worst, so I feel like I have a lot of perspective that a lot of other people don't have. You sure do, my friend. I'm, I'm going to give you part of my perspective now and get your opinion on it. You, I've told you this before in the locker room. My personal point of view on things is you either win the Super Bowl or you don't. I don't care how far you get if you don't win. Obviously, it's an incredible accomplishment while things are going on, but only one team can win every year. And the reason I'm saying that is when you're going to make comments from the mountaintop, like Donovan seems to have made here, that Carson's not getting by the second round, third round, whatever it is, don't you have to win a Super Bowl? Even if you have the leverage to make those comments, doesn't it sound petty if you've never won a Super Bowl yourself? Because I think it does. Yeah, but here's what I realize. Uh, you know, when I went to the Pro Bowl, I see a lot of, you know, Hall of Famers walking about. Everybody wants to stay relevant. Uh, you know, it's, everybody has ego. You know, I, I'm no different. But at the same time, what really matters, you know, glory fades. I, I see that. Um, you know, the, you know, Donovan was one of the, you know, the best quarterback the Eagles ever had. Yep. So you would think, you know, instead of um, talking down, and I feel like, you know, wishing the worst for somebody who's, who's who was in his position, um, you think you'd you know be on the other side of the fence, but I think it goes to show you uh, just what kind of tensions he has. All right, Lane Johnson joining us on the Sports Call and Guest Line. We really appreciate it, Lane. Just one or two quick questions, if I could, about the draft, because the Eagles are thinking about it. a lot of people think Cody Ford from uh, your alma mater, the Boomer Sooners, where Kyler Murray mm-hmm. obviously is also from. Barrett Brooks obviously got hurt last year. Whether he'll be back right away with the Achilles problem, who knows, but yeah. he's a, a, a huge part of that offensive line. Uh, you, you familiar with Cody Ford? Have you worked out with him when you were back in Oklahoma? What do you know about Cody Ford, and what, what would he bring to the um, Eagles if they drafted him? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've talked to him a little bit. Um, I, I just know he's a mauler. You know, he's a guy that's, you know, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, um, you know, high 320s, low 330s, but a guy that can really move, and I, I think he's a guy that has the versatility to be a very good guard and even slide out the tackle, so... Um, you know, I, I would love to have him. Um, you know, as far as the offensive line, I mean, we're, we're a team. I mean, we're all a band of brothers. That's what makes it unique. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think adding him would, would be, um, you know, adding more depth to, to what we already have. I think it'd be good for us. Lane Johnson doubling down on his defense of Carson Wentz against Donovan McNabb on WIP. Former Eagles receiver Freddie Mitchell also joined the fray tweeting that he was happy people were finally seeing McNabb for the dude he was. Now, I don't know what's going on between all of these Eagles, but I'm all for off-season gossip, trash talk, pettiness, whatever it may be. It is pure entertainment. But we certainly can say this. McNabb's at least right in that all QBs need to have success, fair or not. They're measured like he was uh, by winning the last game of the season. But moving on from Wentz in the short term ain't happening. This certainly sounds like another former player trying to say things to stir the pot to gain some traction in his post-playing career. Let's get serious for a second now. The KC Chiefs dealt with Kareem Hunt's off-field issues. Now Tyreek Hill is connected to a very serious and scary situation with his child. And the Chiefs have been connected to a trade for Seahawks D-lineman Frank Clark, who has a history of domestic violence from his college days. This is Show and Vern on 610 Sports in KC having this very important discussion. I told you I would be through the roof. Any any of the splashes that Andy and, and, and little Andy Veach were speaking of last week, but I told you the one that I wouldn't be about is Frank Clark. And, and I still stand by that right now. 
and we're hearing the talk. It's a lot of smoke, Peter King. Vern, hell, I'm telling you to the point right now, Vern, I am preparing myself that uh, Frank Clark, they will trade for Frank Clark. I'm preparing myself in the way that I did leading up to D Ford and how I am leading up into Tyreek Hill. I'm preparing myself that he's going to be on the team, and I don't like it one bit. And you know what, Vern? I, if I can take a step back, I have – I was surprised, and I know in the time frame that I've done this that I shouldn't be surprised, but I was really surprised uh, with the response, both on the text line and on Twitter, on Facebook, social media, that I got from my thoughts and my opinions on Tyreek Hill from Friday. And it almost got me to a point, Vern, where I, I stepped back and I was like, hold on, maybe I, maybe it's me. Like, maybe it's well, – well, maybe what I'm talking about is – and my thoughts are like off. I mean, I've had – you know, especially when I'm getting the threats, you know, I hope you step in front of a bus or 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 get hit by a car or an accident. You know, we've gotten those. But, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like, God, people are that passionate in response to what I'm saying. And people often told me on the text line, oh, you're on your high horse. There's Ron thinking he's better than everyone, that he's never made a mistake. And, and when I think about that over the weekend, which I thought about a while, Vern, and I see this over the last 24 hours, and I've been thinking about it, up until the time we've started this show about Frank Clark, you know what? I will embrace that. I'll I'll embrace that in Kansas City. If anyone's out here, anyone on the text line, Protein House, eat with the purpose text line, 69306. Anyone listening, Ron, you are, uh, you have the moral high ground. You know what? I'll embrace that, Vern. I want no parts of Frank Clark. And and, and I stand by what I said about Tyreek Hill last week. I stand by it to the point of, you know what? Yeah, I think the Chiefs should sit sit him to a point where he not be there until this investigation is finished. Yes, with his history, and everyone knows his history, and then potentially having neglect or abuse to his three-year-old son, potentially, until they find that out, I stand by that. And I will, and I will be the, you want to call me the moral high ground or I'm on my high horse, I'll stand by it. and I'll Because I draw the line. There's a line for me, and and kids and women like that, I look at it differently than other issues. I'm not one that says that you have to be a choir boy and that everyone has to be goody two-shoes on your team. Nope, but I do look at certain things differently than others, and you can look at it your way. You can have it your opinion. For me, I want no parts of Frank Clark. He doesn't seem like he's turning. He feels very Greg Hardy to me. It's just more talented. And, and I stand by what I feel. And everyone wants – if people want to come at me and talk about all this stuff about me, that I'm soft or whatever, and I'm not – I'll take it. I'll embrace it. That's Show and Vern on 610 Sports in KC. Those two might as well have been in my head on this. We all should have had this conversation by now, either alone in our thoughts, working through different things, or with our fellow fans and buddies, whomever – We're in this situation all too much these days, wondering how we're going to handle when someone who's done horrible things comes onto our team. On one hand, most people do deserve a second chance. I might need one one day, so I'm not going to deny someone else theirs very easily. I don't want these guys on my team, though. I don't want to root for them to do good things on the field so that I'm happy that my Mets or the Giants or the Rangers won their game that day. But then... 
As the guys said, who am I actually protecting here with all of this? The Chiefs don't need outsiders like me or them or you to hold up the standards of the organization. Wouldn't it just be nice if all great players were great people too? Okay, let's get back to the usual silly sports debate now. We're in Baltimore. It's the Big Bad Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan. It's Jerry vs. Rob. It's Westbrook vs. Durant. The turnover machine. One of the most overrated players in the NBA. He had three turnovers. Just a me guy. Just a me guy. But when he was on the floor, let me see. They were minus 17 when he was on the floor yesterday with his 14 points. 5 of 21 from the field. This guy struggles when the lights are on him in the playoffs. Since Kevin Durant left, since Kevin Durant left his team, he's won four times, 4-11. Four and 11. This is a guy who wanted control of everything. Now he has the team in his hands, and they're going down in stop, flames. Stop, they are going down stop. in flames. He, he did chased not out want Kevin control. Durant. He did not chase Kevin Durant. He Why chased you? Kevin Durant did, out. Jerry, what, what world do you live in? He was upset that Kevin Durant left. How was do you he mean? really? Yes, he was. I don't think so. He didn't talk to oh, him for months. come on, Rob. Listen, Jerry. This guy wanted to pad his stats and lose playoff games. He succeeded in doing that. A lot of things you say about him, if you notice, I, did, I haven't debated you since this morning until you say, he he did not chase it. He was butthurt about that. What I are you don't talking about? You, are you kidding me? He was. What are you talking about? What Joe. are you talking about? Joe. He was upset. You think he's really upset that Kevin Durant he was. got out of his way? He, Jerry, it was all over the place. He, how, and Kevin Durant said he had to get over it. He told him, you got to get over that. No, there's a lot of people that believe he forced Kevin Durant Made out of no- Oklahoma City. Gosh, that just, he drove him away. He's making stuff up now. Same thing with James Harden. You know, just, it's it's kind of like LeBron. Nobody really wants to James play with this guy. James Harden was traded. Right. You think he wanted to be there with a guy like Russell Westbrook? Oh and James Harden's another case, head case, when it comes to the postseason. Three for 20 the other night. They do have a lot in common. They're not clutch in the postseason. That's one thing where Durant separates himself from these two clowns. And now Paul George is stuck with Russell Westbrook. Has to sit up there and listen to him say, next question, no comment. Shut up, Russ. Seriously, you look like a buffoon. And when you throw up a shot and get your own offensive rebound, we know you're padding your stats. The only true stat he has is assists. This guy loves, loves to make his stats look really good and win that all-star MVP, and then flame out in the postseason. Rob, you can't tell me he's a good playoff None player. of that stuff. I, I haven't disputed anything you said with exception of him chasing Kevin Durant out of town. I'm, I'm not a huge Russell Westbrook fan, by the way. I'm so a Damian Lillard fan. So I'm not going to say and defend him until you say he chased Kevin Durant out of town. I think he had a hand in it and a strong hand. He may have had a hand in it that Kevin Durant maybe not have wanted to play with him, but his intention was not to chase Kevin Durant out of town. Well, maybe by his actions and behavior, you could, uh, that I was enough. I don't know whether that's the case or not, but Durant I can't argue depart. against that. I just know they're not best of friends, I can tell you that. Because he left them. He left them. That's why they're not friends anymore. He left them. Or he just felt like Russ was shoving them out the door. <laughs> What a move that turned out to be. Just having this Westbrook debate kind of in our studios last week, it was actually Russ versus Damian Lillard. Either way, Westbrook is not thriving without KD. I love triple-doubles. I really do. I They just 
They are just beautiful to me. Uh, I can't believe that Russ actually averaged one for an entire season matching Oscar Robertson, and now he's done it in the two years since as well. And in round one right now, his thunder against the Blazers, I think Portland's just better. I thought they were going to win this series when it began. So I don't want to hold what's going on right now on the court against Russ that much, but something just doesn't seem right. The Thunder should be better than this in general. He should be better than this particular. He can't play the way that he played in Game 4, second half. He missed all seven shots he took. He scored just one point while his team was falling into a 3-1 hole. Sticking with hoops, we go from Baltimore to the Bay Area. We're turning Golden State Warriors into superheroes on Joe, Lowe, and Dibs on 95-7 The Game. The next Avengers movie is right around the corner. As you combine all of these characters, and I understand the one I'm about to name is in the DC universe, but is Clay Thompson Aquaman? And if so, you got to address the rest of the starting five. Who's who? Yeah, that's really good. And he, he, I think, has to be Aquaman in light of this ocean cleansing kind of rehealing moment that he undertook. I think when you look at it, you got to put KD as Superman. And I, again, I'm maybe I'm in the wrong DC or Marvel. I get confused. You can use anybody. Who. How about this? You can use we'll just kick any, it open. any superhero from any realm. We'll go ahead and leave it real. It's a real loosey-goosey analogy. Thank God, because I can see our producer Cody back there already shaking his head as we cross-pollinate from DC yeah. to Marvel and... And back to D.C. It's completely fine. I appreciate that, Joe. I put KD as Superman just because when he puts the suit on, nothing can stop him. I don't know what his kryptonite would be. Hopefully we don't find out. Steph Curry's got to be Batman, in my opinion. His ability with the utility belt, he does a number of different things, and he can shoot the three ball, which I don't know what that would equate to, maybe the Batmobile. And I, I think as you go through, you could find other superheroes for the rest. I don't like Superman being any of it. Superman sucks. Superman is the worst of all of them. Let me ask you something. What makes Superman even close to legitimate versus everybody else? Every other character in some way, shape, or form has some sort of flaw, right? Superman doesn't have a flaw. That's not cool. There's nothing cool about Superman. He's not gangster. What? Kryptonite, right? What is that? Some rock from another planet? Yeah, that's his flaw. I'm talking about these guys who like literally like isn't the Flash blind? That's yeah. a flaw. I get you. Yeah. That's a flaw. He can't see. Yeah, can't see. That's a flaw. Batman isn't even an actual superhero. He's no. got no superpowers. He's just rich. He's rich. That's and great. Congratulations. There's two guys that are rich. <laughs> Superman, though, like the whole thing, it's just, it's not, it's not, I don't buy it. I don't, I don't like him as, as any of them. What do you got? I, I say there's two guys that's rich because then you have the guy who puts on the suit. He's Iron one Man. Know, Iron Man. And he's just Tony re- Stark. Tony Stark. Yeah. He's a rich guy. As well, I think Doctor Strange would have to be, you know, I think that's more of a clay. I understand the water, but he's different. Doctor Strange can open up that. Steph, I mean, clay kind of is that to me. I know Aquaman because he got in the water, but I think it would go more with Doctor Strange. You go with Doctor Strange. The first one that comes to mind with Draymond is Incredible Hulk. But I'm not saying that's the right one. I understand. I'm just saying the initial jumping off point for me is Incredible Hulk. Like, you know, you got Bruce Banner. And then you get throw down a dunk Reckless. like yesterday, screaming and yelling. You can right. hear him in the Reckless, upper vault. just go at it. Right, yeah. exactly. I'm it's like, oh, my it. God, Hulk again. We're in an outhouse, and he got mad, and now we right. busted through the outhouse. <laughs> no one can go to the bathroom anywhere. <laughs> Big problem. I, I totally agree with you on the Hulk. I'm also thinking Steph is Captain America. That just kind of just seems to be like the perfect fit for him. You He's got to be something wholesome. Yeah. There can't be any real trouble with Steph. The one I originally had I didn't like, I have to move it around. 
But Captain America would be one that probably like that fits one. him. And maybe Definitely. KD, Wolverine. I feel like that kind of fits with almost that whole like invincibility kind of you know badass attitude. On his own thing. at yeah. times. Wolverine yeah. can be a little That's different. not bad. He can be a little That's not bad. Is Wolverine viewed as the top of the X-Men? Because whatever Durant is, it's got to be the top of I the agree. food chain within his respective world. I thought world. Thor would be the top of the, uh, the food chain yeah. for that group. Well, well, Thor's not part of the X-Men. I think it was him and Cyclops, I believe, were the two. Depends on but, which era yeah. you go with. Like the initial era remember. was those characters, and yeah. now you got a whole bunch of new ones. I don't know. I'm not caught up. You like Thor? You think he's at the top? He's pretty powerful. He's pretty handsome. unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, if this was the all handsome race, it's <laughs> who's the, who's the handsomest true. warrior? That that can be Thor. Yeah. Yeah. I don't uh, know if we want to get into that. I would defer to Anna on who the handsomest warrior is. Who's the most handsome of the warriors? Ooh, I'd say Andre's up there, and then maybe either. Probably Clay or Steph. Andre beat, a black, Clay. Andre beat a Black Panther. Um, I've got nothing to add here. My head kind of hurts. I wish I don't know the first thing about Batman, Robin, Superman. Certainly not enough to break down who's who when it comes to the Dubs roster. So I'm going to leave that one where it is. Um, and we're going to head to this good conversation on the Ken Carmen Show on 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Baseball brawls versus hockey fights. Which one's dumber and more pointless? People automatically wanted to make a comparison, and I thought it was the wrong comparison to make. When the baseball issue gets brought up, and it's like, well, how are we going to police the game? Well, one guy's using a, using a baseball and hurling it, and it's an object, and it can do some damage. And even Trevor Bauer agreed with this. That can do real damage. If you draw umbrage with somebody, I guess you'd tell them, and then you could square up and do it. And a lot of people wanted to compare that to fights in hockey. And I'm thinking, did I? if I'm not mistaken, didn't Marty McSorley get charged with assault? It has happened. It, when, you, it is. When, you, when you bring out this, I'm not talking about no. fights, but I mean with the stick. Yeah, it's happened. If, if you bring out the stick, I think that's something that's completely different. But if you got two guys who are in the arena and they square up and they're, they, they, they demand satisfaction out of one another, then fine, go ahead. It's always, to me, in hockey, the difference is that, yeah, it seems at times like a, a little antiquated. I can't believe we still have guys fighting, but that's what the fans want to see, and the players enjoy it, too. I think that's part of what makes it stand out. I, I, I laugh because I covered an outdoor game up in Syracuse. 30-plus thousand fans uh, were watching hockey, and one minute of the game, the two uh, tough guys, yep, they dropped their gloves. They had agreed upon it ahead of time. So how am I going to say that you know that should be legislated against? In baseball, I just think you've got a batter up at the plate, kind of defenseless, and you have a pitcher who can just chuck a ball 98 miles an hour at his face and potentially kill the guy. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of a difference there. It seems very passive-aggressive to me. When, when, you, throw, when you throw at a guy, it just feels very passive-aggressive because guys are going to run in, the pitcher's going to be taken out because they, they don't want the pitcher to get in a fight. So they're going to get in the way of that. The catcher's going to get in the way of that. Somebody else is doing it. When you're in hockey, like Zach Rowenski has never been in a fight before in the NHL. And so I asked him about that. He says he loves it. You jump right. You got a problem with somebody else, you jump right in. Like, it's the same thing. And it's not about condoning fighting. If you want to try to figure it out another way, you try to figure it out another way. But we've all been taught by our dads and our dads before that, that, hey, you got a problem and you got to solve it that way. Stick up your dukes and let's do this. And I think when you're bringing in baseballs, it's a very passive-aggressive, very silly way to do it where 
I don't know any other way. I, I I don't know if you just tap the guy on the shoulder at first base and say, I want to fight you. I don't know if that works out that way. But I, I think that it's a very silly thing to throw at a guy knowing you can miss and, and actually do something. Yeah, you can break a guy's jaw fighting. I, I know that there's you can break your own hand. You can do some other things. But usually, 10 times out of 10 for guys, like that's what you're taught. Like you got to promise somebody, down go the gloves, we're going to do this. You do it in the backyard, you'll do it on the ice. I'll go in the other room and go get a stick and bop you with it or go to get a baseball and throw it at you. It just seems that's the way to just really seems like that it's off. the epitome of 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 a cheap shot, the exactly. biggest Thank possible you. Yeah. cheap shot you could ever see. And and to that, I I, I don't have a lot of acceptance for that. I'm uh, to me that's totally different than two guys who have been joined yeah. as as tough guy hockey players who it's been leading up to a fight, and then finally they get to settle things. And you know what? The refs give them a couple minutes, not even a minute. They give them maybe. 20, 25 seconds, and they come in and separate it. I don't think it's the end of the world. It does surprise me that it's still around, to be honest. It, it, that is weird to see in 2019 when uh-huh. people are so happy and you can go to jail for any kind of a fight, no matter what. But Not, not to, really. Not, not when you look at the actual game. How many times are they just checking each other into the boards? It's part of the game when you have that, well, that part much of it, yes. contact. It, 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 it's there's tempers con- are going to flare, and contact. you have to have that release. You if, have to. If Odell Beckham Jr. got in a fight with with Joe Hayden from the Steelers, like he did with Josh Norman a couple years ago, it, it would dominate our show for an entire week. Yeah. So I think it's different in other sports. Hockey, it is an understood part of it that you got to promise somebody else this is the way things are going to go down, and you handle it how you handle it. And you don't you, they, remember they don't tolerate third man in. It's not a great big mm-hmm. melee like it is in. Maybe once in history or twice in history, it's kind of like slap shot. But other than that, it's basically controlled. So part of it is just what the history of the game is, and I think it should be accepted. But baseball, when you're throwing at guys, yeah, I think that should change a little bit. I I don't know if that's a way to quote-unquote police the game. Call me soft or whatever, but I'm just over fighting right now. Everything we now know about concussions and head injuries, what's the point Throwing a 95-mile-per-hour fastball at someone's head is certainly ludicrous and should never be okay. And as a lifelong hockey fan, I'm not even sure the game needs fighting anymore. I hated to see Ovechkin versus Svechnikov in the first round of the postseason. A 19-year-old kid basically knocked unconscious from a fight that he picked. But again, what is the point of all of that. I'm glad there's fewer and fewer predetermined heavyweight bouts now in the NHL. And while I completely understand and come close to approving of in the heat of the moment of fights, especially here in the postseason, I still just don't really seem to see what they accomplish. The players, the goaltenders, the coaches, they decide the game. Yes, fighting can have, I think, a momentary change in momentum. It can give a team a lift. It can deflate a team. But in the end... When push comes to shove, it's about the puck, it's about the stick, it's about the goalie making saves. And the number one pro-fighting argument, at least in my head, has always been, well, this is how guys police the game. Guess what? I'm still seeing guys doing heinous things on the ice to each other, even with the threat of a punch to the face coming. So I'm not even sure just how much policing fighting can do and still does in the game today. Finally, it's an update on the Chicago Cubs. They have split their first 20 games. Hugh Darvish's ERA is almost 6, and John Lester's on the IL. This is Mully and Hahn, 670 to score in Chicago. 
Over the last seven games, that Cubs rotation, the earn run average is below one. But here's what's even more impressive. Wow. 53 strikeouts against eight walks. All right. I mean, no one can argue with the way this starting rotation has thrown the baseball over the last seven, eight games. It's been absolutely terrific. What's bothersome for me is a guy in Darvish where I'm not sure the manager believes in you, Darvish, anymore. His comments after Darvish was out there and last not even six innings was overall not horrible. Not a bad performance. The homers early make it look worse than it was. It was a bad start for Darvish. And at some point, you've got to trust every guy in your rotation. So, again, the sample size is too small for me to sit here and tell you that Tyler Chatwood should be part of the starting rotation. I mean, you need to see it a couple of more times. But, you know, throughout spring training and before the game started i heard madden and and i was at spring training in mesa i heard him say that he was really into the way chatwood was throwing the ball he really liked the way this guy was pitching and coming off the mound and feeling good and i almost feel like madden expected that what he saw yesterday from tyler chatwood is what he's expected since they broke spring training and in darvish's case he doesn't know what to expect anymore and we're in year two of a $126 million deal. Well, you got to find a reason to love him for that reason, because he's not going anywhere. No one's trading for him. you got a lot of money invested. You're going to have years invested. And I think that there's probably following a plan that's been laid out for him by the front office. That's Mully and Haw breaking down the Cubs on 670, the score in Chicago. Now, those Cubbies have won five of six as the new week begins. The Red Sox just got a sweep in Tampa Bay, so maybe these two household names are figuring things out after their bad starts. It really doesn't make any sense to get too worked up about a bad start, even a good start. There's just still so much baseball left to go, but it's also really hard to ignore the glaring issues that your team may have. And certainly for the Cubs, one of those issues is you Darvish. He needs to get back to being you Darvish for the Cubs to be as good as they should be this year. They have gotten next to nothing on their investment in him so far. And with that, we will say goodbye today. Thanks for listening to the best in your sports talk. I'm Andrew Bogish, in for DA. We'll see you again tomorrow back here on Around the Dial. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.